You're in the WOR Sports Zone. Mets Spring Training Report. Uh, the Mets uh, a win today against the Detroit Tigers down in Port St. Lucie. Uh, so they're able to to get that done. And uh, we bring on right now Josh Lewin, Mets broadcaster. And, and Josh, it, it started with a bang today. Brandon Nimmo, a, a leadoff home run. What kind of pressure do you think Nimmo can put on Juan Lagares for that center field playing time until Michael Conforto comes back sometime, we, we think, in May? Well, first of all, hi, Pete. What up? <laughs> <laughs> nice chatting with you. <laughs> Let's get right into uh, it, man, you know? No, I'll do it live. I know you want to dive right in, but I, I feel weird because <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't talked in, in, like, forever. Um, but, no, Brandon Nimmo, obviously, is a guy who who wants that position. He's going to have to earn that position, and he's got to jump on Lagares right now. Juan had a tough day today, had a couple strikeouts, and hasn't really played that much yet in spring training anyway. And at some point, you know, I mean, I, I know there's kind of a, I don't know if it's a misconception, but, you know, people still, I think, want to paint as Lagares as a developing prospect. And this is a guy who's had close to 1,700 major league at-bats now. You know, I mean, he, he was born in the 80s, not the 90s. So this is a guy who's 20, let's see, he's, he's going to be 29 uh, fairly soon. So, so that's the line now, huh, Josh? Born in the 80s, you're well, old? Well, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, seriously, there are some guys coming up that are in the double O's right now. Uh, you know, some of these 17, 18-year-old prospects coming up. So, yeah, not to make you feel old, but if you're born <laughs> in the 80s, uh, yeah, you're, you're approaching 30. So, and, and uh, you know, I, and I'm a fan of Juan Lagares. I hope he... He really uh, revs it up, and, and I hope he wins the job for now or a job going forward. But, uh, you know, Juan at some point absolutely has to, to to get everything possible he can out of his ability. Now, he went off and then worked on the whole launch angle thing, kind of remade his swing to get with the times. And they will give him that opportunity to prove that he can be not just a guy but the guy. Meantime, Brandon Nimmo's doing everything right. So uh, we got to keep in mind, too, it's just keeping the feet warm for Michael Conforto. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what we're talking about. And then they, they end up being a fourth outfielder, essentially. But uh, Nimmo has done a lot of things right. Lagares has done a lot of treading water right now. So, yeah, Brandon absolutely has helped himself even without the leadoff all month today. How noticeable are the changes that Lagares has has made? Uh, I know it hasn't really translated in a game. We haven't seen him much in game action, but you know, even just seeing you know some, some work in the cage, uh, is he launching home runs? Uh, what, what are some of the yeah, early no. returns? To be completely honest with you, I mean, I've maybe seen a couple rounds of his batting practice. It's not something that I, I go in uh, looking to mine for at this point. And then maybe, you know, if I was given that assignment, hey, go watch Lagares take 100 points, maybe I'd really notice something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, I mean, I I know that he's worked on it, uh, and, you know, it, 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 it's just so tough to tell. I mean, you know, a, a spring training batting practice, I just don't think, tells you what you need to know, and he just hasn't, you know, it's not like he's been facing Max Scherzer every day mm-hmm. in, in live games. I mean, he's got, what, six at bats now, you know. So, um at some point, we'll, we'll figure that out, and, and you know the, the talk from those in the know, the, the you know the hitting coaches and the guys that, that do know the swing, uh, say that it's new and improved, and, and I'll take them at face value on that. 
Talking again with Josh Lewin, Mets broadcaster right now. Uh, Jay Bruce you know, hasn't played any first base this far this spring. I mean, let's say Nimmo or Ligaris does a phenomenal job in center field that first month, and they want to keep them in the lineup. An option might be to slide Bruce to first. Have you been surprised at all that, that Bruce hasn't seen any time there just to you know re, re-familiarize himself with that position? If it was March 27th, I would say yes, but no, I mean, not really. Because, But you're exactly right. I mean, if Adrian Gonzalez doesn't have a, a lot of juice left in the, in the orange here, so to speak, and if Dominic Smith still needs a, another month or two or three to, to really get everything right at AAA, that, that, that's an option. I mean, you can absolutely put Bruce at, at first because he's willing to do it. I mean, he, he resigned knowing that there was, there was a possibility they'd have to reduce some of that. Um, I, I know how much in baseball these days, and you know it too, that, that versatility mm-hmm. is really valued, and I'm surprised to learn that, for example, they really haven't asked Jose Reyes to work in the outfield. He basically said, I don't like it, I'm not comfortable with it, and basically the Mets shrugged and said, okay, you know, I mean, because they figured there's enough for him to do, just backing up at second, short, and third, but... Uh, to me, these days, and all you got to look to is, you know, the, the guy like Ben Zobrist, uh, you know, who plays every position, that Swiss Army Knife kind of guy uh, for the Cubs now, and he, he killed the Mets with, with the Royals in the World Series. If you can shape yourself into that guy, if you can be a, a shapeshifter, so to speak, you're going to just multiply your value. So Jay Bruce being able to, to do both things I think is great. I mean, obviously Flores can play all over in the infield. And he's expressed an interest in, in learning the outfield. I just think that's smart, you know, and I know Jose's already made his money and, and whatever else. But, sure. uh, you know, to, to me, it's just the more you can diversify your portfolio, you help not only your team, but you help yourself. Yeah, have you seen Wilmer in the outfield at all? Has he spent a lot of time working on that? No, I think very early on they, they hit him some fly balls, and, and, I, and I haven't asked him quite honestly how comfortable were you with it or anything like that. But, you know, again, just a, another club to put in your bag, and then I, I think that's good on him for just expressing an interest in doing that. It'd be like if Ty Kelly, you know, a, a true backup guy, you know, showed up and said, teach me how to catch. Yeah. Because – because why not? You know, I mean, uh, if that's the difference between being in AAA and being the last guy on the roster, but hey, this guy's an emergency catcher. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I guess I'm, I'm just in, in that mood today to kind of be impressed by guys who uh, who want to learn more and do more and be more. And, you know, you talked about Ligaris. He, he's relearning his swing. I think that's great. Uh, you know, Nemo obviously never stops learning. He's got a thirst for what can I do better all the time, and and by and large, I think the Mets have assembled a cast of characters who who have that hunger, and I just I love that in any profession, people that want to get better and and more diverse with whatever it is they do. Yeah, no, it's great to see. In a lot of these cases, we chat with Josh Lewin right now. Uh, any any minor leaguers or any guys that maybe you hadn't seen a whole lot of going into this spring that have jumped out to you a bit? Guillaume, uh, I love Guillaume. He had another hit today. And this is a guy whose glove is absolutely going to play. There's been a question about how much can he hit, but he, he's, I mean, he's stinging the ball. Again, a very short sample. What is this, March, what, 5th, 6th, whatever today is. So, uh, you know, it, it's not like there's a, a whole lot of ammo to support any argument right now. But uh, I think Luis Giorme is a guy that uh, if, you know, something happens to uh, a second baseman or shortstop, if there's an injury, something, you know, hopefully it's not debilitating, but you never know. 
if somebody blows out a hammy and they've got to be out for, for a month, this is a guy who absolutely can can be trusted if a ground ball is hit his way with two outs in the ninth inning. I think Nicky Calloway is already turning to the coach next to him and shaking a hand. You know, if that ball is on the way to him at that point, and then then that's always the skill that's going to play. He can feel good too if there's a bat uh, being flung towards the dugout and he's got Guillaume next to him. That, that's you know, yeah, Guillaume. That's, that's what he's known for last year. Now he's starting to be known for um, you know a, a little bit more, obviously here. And, and finally, Josh, how about you know Tim Tebow? Just the difference from last year to this year has it. Has it been more normal or chill with Tebow around where he was, you know, the headline, the story, the buzz in the stadium every single game he took part in last year? Yeah, there's still, and, and I think a lot of it is that we are in SEC country. You know, I mean, the fans that are down here, sports fans in general, uh, they, they just they feel like they know him. You know, they, they got to, I mean, we're in Florida. And he was a Florida Gators legend, and he, you know, he runs all these amazing charities here in this state. And there's a healthy enthusiasm about just who he is as a person. So, yeah, you're always going to get, you know, just even the, the casual fan certainly knows who he is. He's not just some random single A guy that hit 226 last year because everybody else is exactly that. You don't care. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, last year to this year, it's probably dimmed a little bit, Pete, but not. Not appreciably. He's still, you know, he just he, he people love being in his wake. They they just love watching him him walk around and, and just be Tim Tebow. I think they're just enthralled by that. Yeah, it's such a celebrity uh, down there, uh, no doubt about it. So everything good, Josh? How's life? Everything all right? Sorry, it's sorry not, at the top, yeah, man. No. I just you know, dove right in. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. you've got a job to do, and I understand. And I and, and I'm actually leaving spring training tomorrow. UCLA has got the uh, the Pac-12 tournament starting up, so. Uh, from Port St. Lucie to Vegas, which is, uh, let's just say, two very different uh, ends of the pendulum there. So I'll, I'll uh, be in a little different state of mind uh, uh, starting tomorrow night, but enjoying my time here in Port St. Lucie and, and can't wait to get back to New York. It, it, it's really kind of surreal to think that we're only about three weeks from opening day. You know, got another Nor'easter coming in. <laughs> yeah, you know uh, it. Every, yeah, everybody's ready to, you know, to just lose their minds. It's been, you know, your typical long winter and and here we are in early march really already to the point where we're 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 getting close so yeah no i'm excited i'm happy uh we we talked live here during what was a meg episode on family guys i'm not missing much (laughs) (laughs) it's nice when it works out that way yeah no all offense to no no offense to meg but uh no Things are great, and I look forward to seeing you in person, buddy. Yeah, no doubt. Opening day, uh, Josh Lewin, always a pleasure. Thanks, Josh. All right, Petey, anytime. All right, Josh Lewin, Mets broadcaster. UCLA as well. As here, uh, He'll be uh, calling those games when, when UCLA is taking part in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, so, again, 800-321-0710. Get a little behind the scenes what's happening there at Port St. Lucie. He looks good. And Luis Guillorme has impressed. And uh, one of those guys that you start watching a little bit closer because the idea was ah, this guy's all glove, 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 and he hit last year. Well, is it real? And you, you take a closer look at him today, another base hit, and he's uh, he's done a nice job. It's nice to open some eyes. And, you know, the Mets, we've talked about the system being thin and not as fruitful as it's been in years past. And Guillaume 
Gavin Cicchini, a couple of guys trying to you know, prove otherwise that there is some depth uh, in this bet system. Again, 800-321-0710, the number to get involved, 800-321-0710. Uh, we'll tell you what was good this weekend uh, and dive into the NFL Combine, NFL Free Agency just about a week away, uh, what it means for the Jets, for the Giants, as uh, Jets, it will be a huge free agency, perhaps you know the biggest free agency period for them since they went out and signed Curtis Martin as they'll be making a run at a potential franchise quarterback. So a lot to get into as far as that goes. This is Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. I got a new hat today. As a, you know, one lying around the office here. So, But a hat is like a, a project for me. And I know... The style now is basically you just take it off the shelf out of the box. You put it on. You don't even take the the stickers off, right? I mean, that's what a lot of people do. Flat brim. I can't. I can't do the flat brim like I was taught as a kid. You know, go out in the yard, beat it in the dirt. You got to break in the hat. You got to break it in. And this is like a is it a pillbox kind of hat? Would you call it that? It's like kind of high up, which I don't like as much. And I cannot get the bend right on this hat. It's driving me insane. I think the bend's fine. It's just a little too high, though. Yeah, no, it's too high for my tiny head, and then I can't get the bend. I like the bend like a horseshoe, like really coming down. Oh, you're one of those guys. Yeah. Like, I guess Andy Pettit will wear his hat like that, right? Where he, yeah, he yeah. really had it, like, covering everything from the side, right, like so you, you have blinders on. It was Andy eyes, you know, you got the... Well, yeah, well, they needed the glove covering it up, but that was always the way that I liked it, and I still, in the same way, I, I, you know, try to massage the hat. I used to, you know, tie a baseball to the bill of the hat and rubber band it around. Is that something that anybody else did? I mean, oh, I remember that. Yeah, but, but that's not that's not the way anybody wears hats anymore. Now it's not as flat as anything. Mostly flat, and it just seems like a lot less work. Like I got this hat; it's a project. It's not. It's not something to be enjoyed yet. It's on my head. It's all goofy looking, in my opinion, but. I'm like you though. I like the soft top hats. You know that yeah. that's got that that's got that like kind of that foam in it that kind of pushes it out. Yeah, it's well, it's already broken in. You just kind of flop it around. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's already you know broken in, ready to go. I don't care if it's fitted or not. I'm not gonna go nuts about that. But I don't like fitted. No. It's gotta be. It's gotta be loose. I don't want to look like I got a castle coming out the top of my head. I agree. I like those better. So we're working on this hat. We're gonna we're gonna break it in, or I'm gonna cut off the hat, cut off the top. That would be really top. weird. Make it a visor? <laughs> I guess that's what it would be. Yeah, it would be a visor at that point. Those aren't cool anymore, either. There's a little a little window for the visors where they were cool. I remember once, the funny thing, when I think of visor, I know I'm probably one of the few people who think of this, but I think of Gino Oriema. When he won the title with UConn, they gave out visors. He's like, where's the rest of the hat? We don't get a full hat? <laughs> nope, just a visor. That's it. That's all you get. Uh, he, he probably has plenty of hats now, I'm sure, and got exactly what He's probably got a ski cap that says Champions. He's got a baseball cap that says it. He's got old school, like, 1920s pillbox cap that says it doesn't even have a bill on it. He's got it all covered uh, there with the, the UConn women's basketball team. Uh, but, again, 800-321-0710, the number. Just uh, you know, I had a chat with Josh Lewin, men's broadcaster, and... I think, you know, first base is definitely one of those positions that you gotta, you know, look at right now for the Mets and wonder 
exactly you know, how this is all going to come together when, when nobody's really grabbed the bull by the horns uh, as of yet. And I, I think Flores could really be you know, a big part of the playing time at the very least, potentially the solution over there at first base. But the Mets, you know, we know pitching-wise, uh, they have some things that they're going to have to get in order. And you know, Jacob deGrom has become... One of those issues for the Mets with the back stiffness and will he be able to go on opening day? And you'd love for him to get the opportunity to pitch opening day. It's something he hasn't done before. He's been the most consistent of all of the pitchers that have come up and, and had success at the big league level with the Mets. He's done it uh, just about year in and year out and he's never had the opportunity to start opening day. Uh, and you know, for Jacob deGrom, it's something that he does want. You know, that's, I would definitely like to start opening day, but you know, it's that's out of my control. It's um, kind of up to them, and you know, if I can get ready in time, which you know, I think, I think if I can get you know four starts, I should be ready to get ready. Well, four starts would be what he's looking to get done. You have less than four weeks to make that happen here. Just about four, or less than four weeks, yeah, to to make that happen. So that's you know, not. Easy. It's still in the realm of possibility right now, and and Degrom was asked if he's you know expressed some of that to the decision makers. I we haven't talked about it. We're taking it one day at a time. Uh, you know, if I don't start opening day, it's not the end of the world. Um, the goal is to go out there and make you know every start once the season starts. So it, whether it's opening day that I start or it's you know three, the third, fourth, fifth day, then just the goal is to make every one of them. And that's going to have to be the perspective, unfortunately, for DeGrom. You don't want to be pushing yourself to get ready opening day and try to rush back for something that ultimately doesn't matter that much. Yes, it is a home opening day game. Uh, Noah Syndergaard can, you know, be the opening day starter for a second straight year for the Mets. And, you know, it might be tough even for DeGrom to wrestle that back from Syndergaard if he, uh, is able to do what he's capable of over the course of a full season. But for, um, you know, for Jacob DeGrom, I, I think, You'd love it. It's something, it's a carrot to push you a, a little bit, but, um, you know, the Mets, this is going to be one of their first real tests where maybe in years past they've been, okay, you know, what does the player want? Let's, uh, we'll make an exception here. We'll let you push it a little bit and, you know, see if you can get that start. And it certainly sounds like, based on what Dave Island, the new pitching coach, had to say, they're not making a whole lot of exceptions at this point, uh, in the, you know, with a guy like Jacob DeGrom, especially with, I'm sure, some of the other questions that have been part of this rotation with the way, uh, spring training has, has gone. So, uh, you know, otherwise, you know, the injuries have been, Plentiful, but not major, not anything that's going to affect the outset of the season, uh, with the exception, again, of uh, potentially Jacob deGrom. Uh, but this is you know, where the Mets are living right now, and the one that you do have to keep your eye on and, and can you know, affect things uh, a little bit there uh, for the Mets uh, over the course of this season. But uh, you know, if that's the worst thing that happens for the Mets pitching staff this spring training, I mean, that would be a huge, huge win. And you know, last year it wasn't until those last two weeks that guys started going down, so it can happen at any point. But um, you know, certainly the Mets hoping you know more quiet days like today. Matt Harvey gets his three scoreless innings in. The work is done. Uh, you know, it didn't look great, but looked solid and and had a good performance. And you know, you want you want to keep it 
Nice and ho-hum at, uh, at spring training there uh, for the New York Mets. 800-321-0710, the number. Uh, we'll have Ralph Vacchiano of SNY covers the Jets and Giants with us at 8.05 and, and wrap up a little bit of the NFL Combine. But uh, a lot of interesting stuff is on the way here with Kirk Cousins becoming a free agent this week. Uh, who might be the Jets' top competition to try to land Kirk Cousins. And you know how do things play out in the draft? And the Giants become a big part of that as well. Saquon Barkley, very much impressing over the course of this week. Can he play himself into uh, more of the consideration for the New York Giants? So we'll jump into that uh, when we come back. 800-321-0710, the number. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete Carthy. Uh, NFL free agency about a, a week away from starting up, and it's going to start getting pretty wild, uh, I think, around here with the Giants, obviously. Maybe not as active in, in free agency as what the Jets are hoping to do here, but uh, we get the first sense of what the Giants are, are thinking and how they'll go about uh, retooling this team. They're going to have a lot of work to do on that offensive line. Uh, you would certainly think with Dave Gettleman uh, now in as the new general manager there, but the, the real heavy lifting for the Giants will be the draft. The Jets, yes, they do have the number six pick in the draft, but they're first item on the board as it has been for many many years is going to be to find that quarterback that can actually win some playoff games for them maybe some home playoff games too it's been a long time since we could say that so you know for the jets here yeah they could sit there at six and hope someone comes down or you get in on kirk cousins and i don't I don't love Kirk Cousins. I don't think that, you know, he's a guy that you sign and all of a sudden you're a contender. You're in and you're out just because he is there. He's going to need a real good team around him and you start paying him $30 million a year. It gets a little tougher to build that kind of team. Uh, but today I think it's concerning for the Jets how this is working out because CBS is reporting Jason Lockenfora that there are expected to be two finalists here for Cousins. Now, the good news is for the Jets, they are one of them. The bad news is that the Vikings are the other. And the Vikings have you know, a lot of things that they can offer. They you know made it to an NFC Championship game last year. They're built to win right now rather than maybe a few years from now, as would be the case with the Jets. Um yeah, it's a, it's a quieter place in Minnesota. It doesn't seem Cousins is someone that's going to be mixing it around in the New York City nightlife or really look at anything about New York City as being a plus. But the real danger, I think, for the Jets is, you know, if Cousins were to end up in, say, Denver, well, the Broncos draft in front of the Jets, that takes a team with a need at quarterback off the board, which isn't to say that the Broncos couldn't trade back. But if you look at it right now, you have the Browns sitting there at one and four. They need a quarterback. You have the Giants sitting there at two. I still think even as great as Saquon Barkley impressed everyone this week at the Combine, the Giants should be looking quarterback in that spot. And you have the Broncos at five in front of the Jets looking for a quarterback as well. And it is possible the Jets could get essentially shut out. Now, I look at it as a three-quarterback class and then you know Baker Mayfield being more of a late first, early second kind of pick. If you want to throw him in there, I, I wouldn't be taking him six to be a franchise quarterback. So I think that's a tough spot for the Jets to possibly end up with where if Cousins goes to Minnesota, you might not have 
one of the better quarterbacks, or at least not a quarterback that you really love, depending on what they think of Baker Mayfield, on the board. And that's the disaster scenario. That's where you're scrambling to re-sign Josh McCown. You're drafting somebody in the third or fourth round. They're a project. They're basically Davis Webb, Jets edition, or another shot like Christian Hackenberg. And you're hoping that they're able to develop over the course of the years. And that's, that's a messy spot for the Jets. So if Cousins ends up with the Vikings, that's the beginning of that worst-case scenario for gangrene, where they can be shut out of an opportunity to sign a quarterback. So this is going to be a big spot. Now, it is interesting, you know, following baseball as closely as we do here and you know the reasoning why there would be two teams it would come down to for Kirk Cousins NFL free agency moves so quickly right so many guys sign early on in the process and for Kirk Cousins even though he's such a unique case to have a quarterback with his stats and background available via free agency he's not a total unicorn out there there's still guys like Case Keenum and uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford that can, you know, be looking to find some jobs and, and find homes. And teams can make trades. Teams can, uh, you know, sign guys via free agency. And if, you know, Keenum, he's going to have all the leverage in the world early on. But if, you know, let's say the Broncos say, hey, we're out of this thing. So we're going to go, uh, sign another quarterback. And then, you know, the Vikings maybe think the same way and decide, hey, we're going to hold on to Teddy Bridgewater and have him be our guy. Well, now of your cousins, you really only have the Jets to talk to. So they got to figure it out relatively quickly. And it's mind-boggling considering baseball, you get months to visit every team you want to visit, talk to everybody you want to talk to. I mean, these baseball free agents are, you know, antsy, bored. Some of them are still free agents right now. We're about three weeks from opening day. And yet in the NFL, cousins might not even be able to visit all the places that he would like to go. He may have to say, hey, I'm going to visit Minnesota, see what's going on there, visit New York. I don't have time to go to Denver. i got to figure this out within you know the first two or three days of free agency. And just you know, far cry in the way that it gets handled, but it, it does show you know, this is going to happen fast, and the Jets are going to know relatively quickly what their story is going to be. And again, I'm not you know in love with Kirk Cousins, but... And he has to be somebody that the Jets go hard after because if he ends up in Minnesota, that's how you possibly get shut out. And you end up, you know, not signing a quarterback or not drafting a quarterback and you have to spend another one of those seasons not a contender, not really a 500 team playing it out. And it was boring as heck as a fan watching this team last year, even though they won some games early and played hard. They just were never really competitive. You knew they didn't have the talent, and you'd have another season just like that, You know, looking to see some improvement from a Jamal Adams or a Marcus May or, or this guy or that guy that could develop and be part of it in the future, but really you know, no hope of toppling the Patriots, no hope of making a, the playoffs again and playing out the same scenario next year when it's not going to be as strong a quarterback draft class. It's certainly not going to be as strong a quarterback free agent class, or at least not you know a guy at the top like Kirk Cousins. This is a very rare thing uh, to be happening in the NFL. So um, you know, to me, you know, this is something the Jets they got to go all in on. Um, you know, with Cousins, and even though you know it's not perfect. Uh, you look at the disaster scenarios that could unfold here for the Jets. 
they have little choice. And they gotta they gotta dive in and, and try to convince him that this is where he wants to be. I think it's gonna be a tough sales job. I really do. If you're the Jets competing against the Vikings, and you know it sounds like Cousins is a guy who wants to win, he's gonna get a lot of money in in both places. How are you separating yourself if you're the Jets? They have nothing on offense, like no weapon at all. Their best offensive player, Robbie Anderson, was arrested last month. So what do they have that you really feel good about if you're Kirk Cousins? You know, you're going to have to trust that they're going to be able to go out there, sign a bunch of other free agents with the $90 million they have to spend this offseason, and that's got to be what you're dreaming on. Because it's not going to be anything that you saw growing up with the proud history of the Jets. Mm -mm. And that outdates Kirk Cousins. Um, It's not going to be, hey, look at this roster, look at who you get to play with. You know, Minnesota can make that sales pitch. They can say, hey, look at Stephon Diggs, look at Adam Thielen, look at you know the talent that is here. Dalvin Cook coming back from injury next year, what his potential still is, the old uh, Florida State running back who's uh, you know immensely talented. And there's just more built in there in Minnesota. I, I think it's going to be a tough sales job for the Jets, and this is where Mike McCagnan, this is where you got to make it happen and, and make it work. And you know, McCagnan won an Executive of the Year award a few years back for bringing in Brandon Marshall and Ryan Fitzpatrick and turning the Jets into uh, a 10-win team, but still a team that didn't make the playoffs, that didn't build on that year in any shape or form, decided to rebuild two years after he came in and uh, find themselves in a spot where they're still hunting for that quarterback. And they wasted a second-round pick on Christian Hackenberg, who would certainly appear, and now... Uh, can you convince Kirk Cousins that this is the place to be? And, and you think about New York as a whole. What was the last star player that New York has really finagled and been able to bring in? Now, the Mets, yes, they re-signed Cespedes, but they traded for him initially and then convinced him to stick around. The Yankees traded for Giancarlo Stanton, and they haven't been terribly active as far as free agents go in recent years, not those big contracts. Who's the last guy that was really like, hey, New York is where I want to be. I'll sign on for the big money and be the star player. Even the Giants, they sign a number of players to help out in their defense, but none of them are household names. None of them are are stars. You know them at this point because they've been around for a couple of years, but it wasn't that way at at the time that the Giants made those signings. And It's been a little while since New York was really able to to be the big bullies, right? And be the team that goes out and signs the player for a lot of money. And and New York is a drawing card. And I'm sure New York's a drawing card for Kirk Cousins, but it's something you'd like to see. We're supposed to be the bullies in New York. We're supposed to, you know, see our teams go out and sign the big talent, put the money on the paycheck, and you know, bully around the the other teams in in the league. And, and there hasn't been a whole lot of that in in recent years. And seriously, how far back do you have to go for a like a big time free agent to sign on in New York? You know, not thinking it can't be as far back as Amare, right? I mean, the Yankees have to have signed someone with that kind of star power before then, but it feels like you got to go back a little way. Teixeira? That's 2009, I and mean, that's about the same time as Amare, right? When they brought in yeah. Teixeira and Sabathia. It can't be that yeah, long since there's a big star. The Rangers, to... Mark, I mean, there's nothing for the Rangers that you'd necessarily point to. They traded for Rick Nash. I mean, he would have been on that level, but they haven't signed anybody to that 
degree. Right? Like, who's the, the nine-figure contract up New York going out and, and getting things done? It's not you know, just a Mets thing. It's uh, the Yankees as well to, to some degree. And Jacoby Ellsbury, maybe? Is that, Jacoby Ellsbury. Is, is that as close as we are? Jacoby Ellsbury is the last like big-time free agent who was like, all right, let's go to New York, and we see how that's worked out. But there hasn't been a lot of this. So I, I think it would be fun to have some more star power coming in, and New York just hasn't been the draw, apparently, over the years that we like to think it to be. So you know, maybe Cousins is not a superstar. He's not going to be on the DirecTV poster for the season, but... He makes the Jets a relevant football team and you know, has a little bit of star power at quarterback. We got, got another one? Joakim Noah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick will. We'll let that one go. Did they get rid of him yet? Not yet. They're still still hanging around with the Knicks. But most of the other guys have all been on trades. You're right. Yeah. No, it's just interesting to me. And this is an opportunity for a New York team to flex its muscle a little bit. It's salary cap. So, you know, just about everybody has the same money to spend. But yeah, let's show that this is the kind of city that can bring in and recruit the big star. I don't want to see a guy going to Minnesota and, and spurning New York for that, even if it is the Jets. Uh, 800-321-0710, the number to get involved. Again, 800-321-0710. Uh, we'll have Raph Vacchiano, SNY, covers Jets and Giants. He's at the Combine this past weekend. He'll be with us uh, at 8.35 tonight. We'll do much more football with him. Uh, we'll take some calls. We're going until 9 o'clock. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. You're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. I'll get back uh, to the NFL, the 8 o'clock hour. Again, Ralph Vacchiano, SNY, covers Jets and Giants. Be with us. Uh, tell us uh, his perspective there at the NFL Combine. Well, I made a big mistake on Friday night. So we didn't have a show that the Mets were playing at 6 o'clock on Friday. So we had that here on 710 WOR. So I had a you know, nice, relaxing night at home and decided, hey, Let's watch some hockey. Let, let's watch the Islanders. A big game for them. They're playing you know, one of the worst teams in the league, but the Islanders need points in any way, shape, or form that they can get them. And they are just absolutely maddening. And they, they lose to the Canadians. Uh, you know, the, the Canadians jump ahead one nothing. Then it's one one, two one Canadians, two two, and they can't dictate the play at all. They're playing a lousy team, and they can't dictate anything and, and play the game on their terms. Playing from behind the whole time, and then they don't have it at the end. Uh, they end up losing to the Penguins yesterday or Saturday in overtime. So uh, they get a point out of that. But the Islanders now are tied with the Rangers in the Metropolitan standing. Same amount of points. The Rangers actually slightly ahead of them because they have an extra win on the Islanders and the Rangers. They're already sold. They're done. The Islanders, they didn't do a whole lot at the deadline. They're basically they're stuck in the middle, and they have like a 4% chance of making the playoffs. And it's embarrassing. And this franchise had the number one pick in a year where you want the number one pick. They didn't get a hockey's LeBron, but they got a real legitimate franchise player. John Tavares has been with this team for nine seasons. They have made the playoffs three times and won a single playoff series in the nine years they've had Tavares. And he's a free agent at the end of the year. We talk about you know big-name star players you want in New York, signed via free agency, choose to, to stick around or, or come in. And that, that's a big one for New York, especially the Islanders, getting that new arena. And Why would he stay? Like, what kind of sales pitch could the Islanders make? This guy's been around nine years, and this isn't a case where, you know, Tavares isn't as good as people give him credit for. This is a case of he hasn't had talent around him, and they have wasted nine years with one of the better players in that sport. 
That's abominable. How do you convince that guy to stay? Would anybody blame Tavares if he took off and went home to Toronto or, or went to a, another organization after all this time? I can't blame him. 800-321-0710. Dave and Comac. What's up, Dave? Hey, uh, how are you? I'm good. What's going on? All righty. I'm actually a big Island fan. I'm from Long Island. Me too. I'm, and, and, and I remember that team back in the 80s uh, when they won four straight Stanley Cups. Uh, and, and, and I look at this team, and I look at what's going on with the Rangers, what they did with the, they picked up draft picks, and now they actually have a, play, a team that's going to make the playoffs, it looks like, this year ahead of the Islanders. And the Islanders are not going to make the playoffs. I mean, this is pathetic. Well, Rangers won't make the playoffs, but, yes, it's, it's pathetic I, I, what's happening. My prediction is the Rangers are going to make the playoffs, and the Islanders are, are going to finish in last place and not going to make the playoffs at all. And what I think is really going on here is that these idiots, what, like my accounting professor from South Community College many years ago said about Milstein and Spano, they are pigs at the trough trying to get a return on their investment, and, and they don't care one way or the other. They're just waiting for the money to roll in. We're doing, uh, doing absolutely nothing to improve this team. I mean, if you're an Islander fan right now, you got to be so adamant that you want to go outside, right, and pick it in front of Barclays Center and show. Well, it's been decades. Teams. It really is. It, it, it's been decades, and you hope things are are turning around now with the, a newer group. But it has been decades you're since not, the Islanders have been even close to a competitive team. You're not even going to get any free agents. Nobody wants to come to a losing team. Well, they don't want to come to a, a losing team. They don't. The players now they're not old enough to remember the the four Stanley Cups. I'm not old enough to remember the the four Stanley Cups. I'm 33, and that's how you know far ago you know long ago they were. It's not a factor. The Islanders can't be selling that history to anybody except the fans that are 40 and over. That's that's what it is. So what are you selling a free agent? You don't have a real hockey building yet. Maybe you have that in a few years and it's something you can sell. But that's not the case right now. I I, I would love to hear how the Islanders are going to sell to John Tavares that, that he should stay. And I'd love him to stay. Absolutely. But if you look at it from his perspective, he's been here nine years. He's given you know some of the best years of his career, and he's done it without complaint. He's played good hockey, and yet... You don't have enough support on this team. And this is going to be another wasted year uh, for the New York Islanders. We'll tell you what was good this weekend. It certainly wasn't the Islanders. Rutgers was pretty good this weekend. We'll hit some of that uh, coming up at 8.05 right now in News Update.